It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Who is January Jones? She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, The 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered why your kids aren't talking to you? (laughs) Well, sometimes maybe that's a good thing. (laughs) Tell me, do you know what to do when your kids are having trouble at school? Have you ever wanted to know about how to communicate with kids in a natural, comfortable way? Would you like to learn more about why young people act out? Can you imagine kids that turn compliments into conflicts? Not a good thing. Tell me, have you ever heard about a book called The Changing Behavior Book, A Fresh Approach to a Difficult Child? Or better yet, Would you like to meet someone who has some of the answers that we're looking for today? Now, are you ready to learn how to be successful and how to talk to your kids? (laughs) If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions, then you are in the right place. And I would like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. 
Today, I will be introducing you to my guest. He is a success coach extraordinaire, and he will provide us with wonderful, inspirational, and informative lessons and some really, really great advice about difficult kids. I'm pleased to announce that this show is now live on Talk for Media and syndicated on iHeart Radio Talk with over 55 million subscribers. We are archived 24-7 for your listening pleasure at iHeart Radio. Also, LinkedIn announced that my profile was one of the top 5% most viewed last year. So now it's time for you to sit back and relax as you enter the no-wine zone. Pour yourself a glass of wine with some cheese and crackers, and then lots of chocolate. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. He is a nationally recognized psychologist and author, a plain-speaking expert who deeply values his early experiences as a teacher. He offers a common-sense, relation-based approach to child behavior and family harmony. His many years of experience and his compassion for young people will come through loud and clear as he shares with us his ideas, ideas that work. His book is called The Changing Behavior Book, A Fresh Approach to the Difficult Child. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. James Sutton to the show. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, January. Thank you, and happy birthday. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I mean, who, who's counting when you're having fun? My gosh. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Hey, when you stop counting, you're really in trouble, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The game That's like, the game's over. My husband keeps reminding me that I have a shelf life, and I keep <laughs> checking on my expiration date. Tell right. me, Jim. Where were you? Uh, where did your success story begin? Uh, where were you born, and who were your early mentors? Well, I tell you what. In in my own experiences, I guess I would have to say my early mentors were my parents. Uh-huh. Uh, they were Okies. They were from Oklahoma, and one of the things that was very prominent in their homes and in their lives, and subsequently in in our lives, my sister and I as a family, were church and family and uh, and uh, spiritual values. And, and we grew up with that, and, and our kids grew up with it, too, because that's part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for me, as a, as a measure of success in my life, um, part of it started when uh, we moved, when I went into middle school, excuse me, junior high. Mm-hmm. We moved, we'd moved to a small community of only about 3,000 people. Okay. Well, there was a 1,000-watt radio station in that community that was tucked away, kind of half-hidden in the back of a Chevrolet dealership, uh-huh. and I started hanging around that place, and I was infatuated by this whole concept of radio. Okay. And, yeah, and I hung around there long enough to, uh, to get uh, excited about it, and, and they kind of took me under their arm, and they taught me just everything about the radio business, not just the announcing part, but, uh-huh. but how to write advertising and how to write copy and, and deliver mm-hmm. it and, and, and work with the folks and sell ads and the whole business. And I didn't realize at the time because I was only 14, 15, 16 years old, but when I graduated high school, uh, my dad at that time had really had a uh, difficult situation in his work, and so... I really had to put myself through, and I I did it uh, working in radio while I put myself uh-huh. through college, and that was the start for me. I didn't know at the time. I didn't know at the time, but later on, I would I would have the opportunity to work for a CBS affiliate, 
Uh-huh. And then as a consulting psychologist to do some work with NPR radio and ultimately have my own radio show. So that mm. was uh, that was that was that part. Okay. <laughs> now you went to college, and uh, you you mentioned uh, that you were you were, became a teacher. Is that uh, what you started out doing first? Yeah, it was. But can I sh- do you believe in turning points in one's life? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Can, can I share one because that has everything oh. to do with who I am today? Wonderful. Go ahead. I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working at the station. I was signing, signing it on in the morning at 5.30 a.m. and then working till mid-morning, getting in my car, driving to the city to, uh, to go to school. And then I would come home, try to do my homework, and then go to bed early enough so I could get up again and sign the station on at 5.30. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, early spring, and it's, um, <clears throat> it's early afternoon. It's a gorgeous day. But January, I am absolutely exhausted because I'm working basically 24/7. I had one half of one day off every other every other week. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and I'm having to carry a full load because if I don't, I'm going to get a letter from President Johnson saying I'm in the military. You know. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> and folks don't understand that today, but that's a lot of pressure young men faced back then. Mm-hmm. And so my uh, my dad was cut back in his work because the company he was working for was having difficulty uh, financially, and my mother was in the hospital uh, recovering from surgery. The engine in my car blew up, and <laughs> and I and I said, you know, what else could happen? And I I get into my mother's car because she didn't need it; she was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I said, what else could happen? I turn on the ignition, and January the engine coughs, catches on fire. Oh dear! And about as quickly as I could grab my books and get out of that car, the whole front of my mother's 56 Chevy Bel Air was in blaze. <laughs> I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe it. And I'm just standing there in a daze, and okay. and one of the students starts directing traffic around this burning car, and another student calls the uh, campus um, um, fire department, and they come out and put mm-hmm. the fire out, and I'm still there. Just kind of can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I walk over to I walk over to a little kind of hill behind the McAllister Fine Arts Building. I just basically throw my books on the ground. I sat down under that tree, and I cried my heart out. In January, uh, uh-huh. I said, "This is not fair." And then I made a decision. I was going to quit. You know what? I'll join the service, which is eventually what I did anyway, and went to Vietnam uh-huh. on assignments. But uh, I said, "I'm going to quit." And so I'm going over to the registrar's office to quit. And mm-hmm. I said, well, you know what? Before I quit, I better call my mother. <laughs> <laughs> now, in those okay. days, we didn't have cell phones, right? Right, right. I'm 19 years old. And so there's a bank of telephones there, pay phones. And so I call mom, and I says, Mom, it's just too difficult. It's too hard. I'm just going to give up college for now. Mm-hmm. And she began crying. Okay. January, do you ever remember making your mother cry? Oh yes, it's not good. I mean, it was it was terrible. I mean, I felt awful. I mean, I yes. said, "Mom, it's too hard." She says, "Son, if you quit, I'm walking out of this hospital." I said, "Mom, don't do that." She said, "I will if you quit." Your father and I are so proud of the fact that you're going to school. Oh, sure. And so I didn't quit. <sighs> and honestly, I can think I can say with a pure heart, I have never quit anything else the rest of my life. Oh wow! And that's that a, led, yeah, that's and a, and went into the service. Oh, okay, but, okay. Yeah, I joined because I just couldn't keep up those hours. 
Uh, and it, and I felt like I wanted to do my part anyway. Like I say, I was in Vietnam. I worked in uh, combat duty, a, a naval security group. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when I came out, I uh, got married, started a family, uh, finished my schooling, became a, okay. special, edu- became a special education teacher, uh-huh. and earned my master's. And that put me in a position to be a school psychologist in Texas. Okay. Uh-huh. And then uh, I continued to work with that while I earned my doctorate. And back in those days, GI Bill was a really neat thing because it was basically pay you every month while you were going to school. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it put me about two-thirds of the way through my doctorate. Mm-hmm. Got my doctorate, uh, took the state board exams, passed that, and um, became private practice, and uh, here's where I am. Okay. Yeah. What's interesting about my private practice is that well, although I saw kids and although I did a lot of counseling and therapy and I did much mm-hmm. of that while I was in the school, mm-hmm. as a private practitioner, <clears throat> I did have an office, but the main thing I did was training because my radio experience had helped me with that. Okay. And so I would go out and I would work with, uh, with uh, universities around the country, the continuing education divisions, and that's how I got into national public radio. Okay. And uh, worked with about four dozen universities, uh, big ones, uh, around the country and some in Canada, and uh, consulted and did my writing and wrote my books and those kinds of things. And I think if I had something that was special, it was the fact that I just had an ability to sit down and visit with a young person mm. and try to figure out where the problem was and how we might be able to fix it. And, well, we, well, that's uh, quite history. a... That's a, an amazing uh, career story, a success story, and I think it's interesting and very powerful that you go back and remember something that happened when you were 19 years old, uh, starting with a car fire that right. kind of <laughs> kind of changed your life and, and got you going in the right direction. You know, it's uh, a fascinating story, and now you've, how many books have you written so far, Jim? I've written, if you count uh, if you count guides and manuals, I've probably written several dozen, but five of them specifically that uh, I guess we can talk about these later. But uh, five of them, and one's an award winner, and one's a bestseller. Oh, wonderful! And we are going to talk about uh, your book, the Changing Behavior Book, and this is for parents who are having problems dealing with a difficult child. We're going to take a break, and when we come back with Dr. Jim, we're going to talk about what you can do to help your kids. We'll be right back. Do you desire more control over your money and financial matters? Would you like simple solutions to complex financial topics? Do you want more security in your financial future? If you answered yes to any of these questions, the book 101 Principles to Wealth is your answer. It's available now on Amazon.com. That's 101 Principles to Wealth by Charles Brokop. Order today. Are you striving to find a job you love but don't know where to start? If so, you'll want to know about Career Esteem's Find a Great Job Fast program. Learn new ways of job searching and how to find the hidden jobs that aren't being advertised. You don't have to rely on job boards anymore. Shave weeks or months off your job search. Go to careeresteem.com and click on Find a Job to learn more. That's careeresteem.com and click on Find a Job. Contact Sherry Sambersky. careeresteem.com. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. 
Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shalt Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. I'm pleased to announce to our listeners that Chuck Brokoff and Sherry Samburski will be visiting with us again on the show very soon. Today, we're uh, talking with Dr. James Sutton, who has trained parents, educators, counselors, and child service professionals at schools and agencies, as well as over four dozen major universities across the country. He has appeared on national public radio, and he is the founder of a host of the Changing Behavior Network. Network and internet radio resource supporting young peoples and their families. Now, Dr. Jim, tell us about why did you write this book and how long did it take you to write it? Well, what's really interesting about this book is it began in 2007 and the book came out in 2012. Oh, but okay. There was another yeah. epiphany experience that caused me to write the book and. Uh-huh. Uh, let me tell you about that very quickly, and then I'll, then I'll answer your question specifically about why I wrote it, because it's really tied into it. Mm-hmm, I, was mm-hmm. at a, I was at a state convention in San Diego, and one of the speakers was Joe Vitale. Now, you've probably heard of Joe Vitale. He was in the, oh. uh, the movie called The Secret. Right. Yes, absolutely. Right. And uh, he told a story there about uh, a gentleman named Ayala Kala Hugh Lin, who was a psychologist in a ward full of criminally insane patients at the Hawaii State Hospital. And Mm -hmm. he was basically saddled with the responsibility of trying to create some positive change in a population of individuals that most folks, psychologists and psychiatrists included, would consider to be hopeless. And no one would stay. They couldn't get staff to stay. A psychologist wouldn't stay more than a month. So he said, I need to do something differently. And what mm-hmm. he did what he did was he removed limits that even he recognized he was putting on his work by the way he was thinking. And he took the charts, took them into his office, opened up the charts, reflected on each patient individually and said, now he said, I love you. That's a strong statement, but basically mm-hmm. saying, I care about you, talking about the person whose chart he was holding. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for whatever I'm doing that's creating limits between you and me. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me. Thank you. And he did this every single day. And what was interesting is that people began to change. And really? that, that was an epiphany, January, because it connected with this whole issue of this kid's acting out, we need to fix him. Well, mm-hmm. really the issue is the first person I need to fix is me. Oh, okay. Got it. And no. that, that mm-hmm. whole book that he wrote about that experience with Dr. Hugh Lynn is called Zero Limits. came out, I think, in 2007, 2006. Mm-hmm. And that really was the beginning of the Changing Behavior book because there's a chapter in there called The Miracle Mode when, when I tell that story. 
and each section of what he did as he shared that, how we could use it and apply it in our work with young people. So okay. one of the main reasons why uh, I wrote that book was was because of, of that specifically and to help get the word out that we don't have the authority or the power to change other people. Other people mm-hmm. are going to change when we begin to change. And wow. that is really, to a great extent, the message I shared when I was going uh, doing the college campus tour with the big universities around the country, Penn State, University of Oklahoma, University of mm-hmm. Kansas, uh, Washington State, all of those. And um, it, uh, it's been a great ride. I, I enjoyed writing that book because I put mm-hmm. more of me and my philosophy and what I believe and my hopes and desires into that than anything else I'd ever written. Now, Jim, tell us a little bit about why communication with our kids seems to be more difficult now than it was uh, a generation or two ago. I see my children struggling with their children, and it seems like it was an easier thing to do when I was raising mine. What's changed? Well, one of the things that's changed, it's almost like these audio devices are permanently attached to their ears. (laughs) It's, it's, It's hard to talk to them when you can't talk to them. Listen, yeah. <laughs> uh, you and I are of the same generation. Back when we were kids, the only people who wore headphones were ham radio operators or pilots, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we actually communicated. We actually sat down in the evening and had a meal together and spoke, you know. And mm-hmm. with, our, with our hurried pace, and I think sometimes uh, I honestly believe that speed is the enemy of relationships. I really do. Mm-hmm. We're all in a big rush and... Little kids today have cell phones, and you know what they do with those cell phones. They're always playing with those things. Oh, absolutely. Um, more blended families now than ever, so it's yours, mm-hmm. mine, and ours, and um, mm-hmm. no one really seems to have the time. Time, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Like, I'll try to call my children or my grandchildren on my cell phone, and I'll leave them a message, and no one calls me back, but mm-hmm. if I text them. If I text them, they will answer in two seconds. And it's just a, an, an interesting phenomenon in my life. If I really want to communicate with my family, texting is the only thing that they're receptive to. Do you find this uh, happening in other families too? Oh, oh absolutely. And I, and I think texting is a good thing, but I tell you what, I for a long time, I didn't do it. It just didn't feel comfortable to me. So now I'm getting comfortable with it. And with text now, now, you can send a uh, picture of that grandchild. So that's even better. Oh, yeah. You know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, the one thing I do... I do like is the FaceTime because we actually can yeah. see and our family is spread out all over the country that uh, FaceTime is, I'm really happy with that. Well, that's um, a good ad for iPhone right there. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I can, maybe I can get them as a sponsor. I'll have to work on that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, now, let's talk about um, bad behavior. And uh, what is the difference between bad behavior and desperate behavior? Okay. Uh, Let me start with desperate behavior because that is more severe and resistant to change. Mm -hmm. Desperate behavior January starts when when a youngster honestly feels like that uh, they actually have to. They feel compelled to act out. Now, no one's going to find this desperate behavior in the library. This is something that comes from my book there, and this is what I've been talking about. And this is something I picked up on when I was working with kids in school. 
Mm-hmm. It's very possible you can tell a youngster, if you do that again, here's what's going to happen, and they will do it again because they feel like they have to for some reason. Mm-hmm. If we can reduce the desperation, we can reduce the problem. But let's say, for instance, I have a, I have a two-year-old grandson, so let's pretend that you and each listener out there is the parent of a two-year-old child. Okay. 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 They get a call at their work that their child uh, fell into something, hit their head, bumped their head, hurt themselves, they're unconscious, and that they're at the emergency room, and you're at work, and you say, I need to get out of here. And your boss says, well, you need to finish this contract first. Are you going to do that? No, no. No, you're, gonna go. you're headed to the hospital, right? Absolutely. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to keep you from going to the hospital. Nothing. I mean, the truth of the matter is sometimes kids act out in, in types of desperation, and when you see they're being driven by that, one of the easiest ways to try to deal with that behavior is see where the desperation is coming from and try to address it there because desperate behavior is not amenable to, if this happens again, here's what's going to happen because they okay. don't care. The consequences it, don't matter if they feel like they have to act out. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, now, bad behavior would be, I guess, whatever you would call bad behavior. Some people would say if my child is rude, that's a bad behavior, and it probably mm-hmm. is. But uh, <clears throat> youngsters act out <clears throat> primarily because they're unhappy, they're upset and unhappy, and their behavior mm-hmm. is their attempt to fix the problem. Now, it might well be that their attempt to fix the problem is totally inappropriate, mm-hmm. but it's the way they try to fix the problem. But here's where the problem comes in. The adult responds to that because they're miserable and unhappy, and their behavior, the adult's behavior, is their attempt to fix the problem. You see what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, right. There's no fix in the fix. Both (laughs) of them are trying to say, you need to change. And and in problem, what happens in those situations is that nothing changes. Yeah, yeah. There's an old saying saying in drug and alcohol treatment that says, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Mm, mm, Something has to change. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. And you've got two, uh, you've got this child and the parent, each wanting to have their own way in a situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a real uh, standoff between the two of them. And we see this so often. I always, I write about it in my book, Thou Shalt Not Whine, mm-hmm. that you can always count on kids to act up when you're out in public and they know that they can, that they can embarrass you and they've got the upper hand and that's when they're going to pull some really cute little stunts along the way. <laughs> and if the payoff is big enough, they'll keep doing yes. it. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and that's absolutely. the bottom line. If it yeah. works, why not try it again? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, the pattern begins. We've all been there. We're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. And when we come back with Jim, we're going to talk about why the promise of rewards or incentives for better grades or improved behavior doesn't work with some kids. Uh, some kids it does, but for some it doesn't. We'll be right back with Dr. James Sutton. 
Everyone deserves a happy life. Life is supposed to be fun. Your life is supposed to feel good and you're meant to feel happiness in your life and to satisfy your dreams. And you can. Because the only reason anyone wants anything or does anything is that they think they will feel better in the having of it or the doing of it. They think they will feel better in the experiencing of it. Coming soon, a website where you can learn more on how you can have the life you deserve at afeelgoodworld.com. Do you want to learn how to live into your dreams? One Door Closes, Overcoming Adversity by Following Your Dreams. The new book by Tom Ingracia and Jared Kredimsky captures the thought-provoking stories of 16 people from all walks of life who have triumphed over adversity to achieve their goals. Plus, you'll get 10 self-assessment tools to design your own blueprint for success. Unlock your true potential. Fulfill your dreams. Be inspired. One Door Closes is available from Amazon.com. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems. People who have fearlessly shared their stories, their struggles, and their successes. People who have priceless personalities. In my new book, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, I am honored to be able to share with you people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, starting over, self-esteem, and workplace issues. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They will amaze, amuse, and even astonish you. You will adore getting to meet them at Amazon.com. My book is now available, two-for-one, paperback and Kindle editions. Welcome back with a truly priceless personality that's visiting with us today, Dr. James Sutton. Uh, Jim, let's talk a little bit about... um, incentives for better grades or improved behavior. Why, for some kids, it doesn't work. Why is that? Well, January, it's because refusing rewards and incentives can sometimes bring a youngster a bigger, stronger payoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Howard Glasser wrote a book called uh, Transforming the Difficult Child, and one of the things he talks about is is the amount of energy sometimes we put into our youngsters when we're giving them the dickens, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and yeah. the problem, yeah. And the problem with that is, is that often we give them much more attention or our energy when they're misbehaving than when they're behaving. And so right. some youngsters, some kids will go for that because it's the biggest bang for their buck, and it actually does work. And in that case, a defiant behavior pays off. Oh, you know, I'm just thinking about a recent encounter we had with a young person, and we did exactly the wrong things. We gave him too much attention for bad behavior. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. he, got a, he got a lot of bang for his buck. He did. Um, yeah. <laughs> Why is it that some kids become so, so very, very angry, and they seem to want to stay that way? It's like they're happy being miserable. Well, it's not just youngsters. There are a lot of adults that way, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the reason, yeah, the reason is because anger feels better than hurt. Really? And what's right under the anger is usually hurt or disappointment or embarrassment mm-hmm. or a sense of being ridiculed. 
And, you know, kids are much the same. The other issue is that anger is a very powerful emotion, and young children really, really don't have a lot of skills for dealing with it effectively. And when they do, they tend to act out behaviorally, and then that gets them into trouble. And then they're they're Mm -hmm. in trouble for what they're doing, not in trouble for what they're feeling emotionally. So their behavior kind of gets the number one uh, priority in terms of, of our focus and attention. And how can a parent help them come out of that angry state and help them become happy children again? Well, first of all, I, I think one of the things to do is is not confront them immediately and let uh-huh. them have a little bit of time with that with that situation. It, often, what happens is is that we unfortunately want to add to some of the negativity by jumping on it right away, and often what mm-hmm. happens is we actually compound the problem. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and I and I think what the best thing to do in situations like that is to uh, is to back off a little bit and then maybe come back later and discuss it or talk to the youngster about it a little bit when mm-hmm. we're more under control and when they're more apt to uh, to want to listen to us. I can give you a quick example of what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, our son was upset with me, and he and I can't remember what it was. He's very much an adult now, but this was back <laughs> when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. We were going to have family pictures for the church directory, and he decided he's not going. He's okay. upset with me, and that's how he's going to get his revenge. And instead of <laughs> saying, you will go with us, because I knew the more I would push, the more he would resist, uh-huh. I, sim- I simply said, son, you realize this directory is going to be out where everybody can see it for years and years and years, and your picture is not going to be in it, and people are going to start wondering why. Uh-huh. And I just walked off. He uh-huh. went into his room and got dressed and came with us. Oh, my gosh. So I, so I think the issue is sometimes is, is not push too hard and try to get at what's concerning them and to understand that often youngsters really have a hard time finding words for uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the emotion they're experiencing. So we need to help them with that. Yeah. Well, I think we should uh, entitle your next book, call, uh, entitle it Back Off. Back Off, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Back Up. <laughs> yeah, or what? Because that would be a good one. Because you need to just sometimes pull back and then go back and revisit when everyone's calm and when they're not upset and the anger subsides. It's, it's just a really great, great advice that you're giving my listeners. Now, one thing that I think is the easiest thing a parent can do, and you do this mm-hmm. when you're not upset with them and they're not upset, upset with you, yeah. okay. is just as they're going to bed at night, as they're going to sleep, uh-huh. just, just sit down at the foot of the bed for about two minutes. If they want to talk, fine. If they don't, get up and leave. And pretty soon you get some conversation and discussion going that really is wonderful. It's not connected uh-huh. to uh, stuff that happened during the day. It, it really is a, a neat intervention uh-huh. that uh, is easy for parents to do. Oh, that's that's wonderful advice. You know, I used to always get these deep conversations with our four kids when I was driving carpool. <laughs> right, right, right. I understand. <laughs> and I'm going, what? Why are we talking about this? I have to concentrate <laughs> on driving. Well, but but right there, right there, you have an opportunity. Let's say you just have one child in the car, and when you're driving somewhere, you don't have to worry about eye contact. You can visit mm-hmm. with them. You can talk with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call that cruise therapy. It works real well. <laughs> I like that. Well, unless yeah. we're all arguing about what music to play, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have to turn the radio off and make sure they don't have earbuds on, just the oh, conversation. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to pull those earbuds out. Now, yeah. some some youngsters can turn a compliment into a conflict, and what's that all about? 
they don't have a place for it to fit. I think some kids uh, have difficulty with what I would call compliment receptors, and they really have trouble uh, accepting compliments and feeling like they don't have a they don't have a place for them to to be. I remember one time working with a young person, and I said as they were leaving a session with me, I said, you're a really neat kid. I enjoyed being with you. And then I had the dickens to pay the next time <laughs> I saw that youngster. So really? we, we, do, we do have to be careful. One of the things I talk about is I call it hit-and-run compliments, where you say something to them, you know, I appreciate the fact you're doing your homework so much now without uh-huh. me or your mom having to say anything to you about it. And I just wanted you to know I noticed, oh, i got to go to the store to get something. And <laughs> get out of there. Don't hang around for them to, to come back with whatever, you know. Uh, just, yeah. just, just, just leave and let them uh, absorb the compliment. Does oh, that make sense? Great. Yeah, that does. Just hit and run. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now a lot of kids get in trouble at home and school because they fall behind with their chores or homework. And they say, I forgot. I, I didn't remember how can you help a child remember more? Well, one strategy that works pretty well is I'll ask them something, a question like this. Do you think this is something you're going to forget? <laughs> <laughs> because if they say no, then they have no excuse for telling you later they forgot. If they say yes, then you address it ahead of time. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I don't know if this needs to be censored so kids don't hear this strategy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, in your book, you mentioned how poor behavior can grow out of perceptions that are false. What are we talking about here? False perceptions. False perceptions. I worked with a young man one time. The best example is he was 13 years old. Uh-huh. which I wouldn't wish that on anyone because he's <laughs> no. 13 years old. Okay. And he, he was in trouble at home and dropping in his grades in school a little bit. Good kid, though. And I asked him, I said, I, you know, I, I kind of have a, a feeling that you feel like your parents aren't listening to you anymore. Is that right? And you ask that question to an adolescent, and most of the time they'll agree with you. Yeah. And I said, uh, if I could give your parents one message that they would hear loud and clear, what would you want them to know? And he said, I want them to know I don't mean to cause trouble. Oh. And that was a very heartfelt response, and I like that. I like that uh-huh. response. And yeah. I said, I'll let them know. But why would you say that? And he said, because by now my parents hate me. Oh, how awful. <laughs> well, exactly. But that was a misperception on his part. They didn't hate him. They loved him more than life. They would die for this kid. But he was <laughs> responding now to their anger and their frustration as they hate me. And that's what I mean by perceptions can be can be wrong. The reality was they loved him very much. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to be real careful about that because that can be a, a major, major issue when oh, sure. our kids are believing that, uh, that uh, we're not on their side. And so many times you'll hear kids say, are you mad at me? And that's because they're just so uh, devastated that they've done something to upset you and they don't want you to be mad. And so that's uh, definitely a false perception. What do you do with the kids who won't express that, the kids who clam up and they get so quiet? Well, one of the things I do with with my children, it typically wasn't a problem. If I could wait for them to calm down a little bit, usually mm-hmm. I could come in. And, and as a parent or as a teacher or as a therapist, uh, you know, I always had a pretty good idea of what was going on. And I would just say to a youngster, it seems to me that this and this and this has happened. 
Is this because of something that uh, happened today or something that happened yesterday? Now, uh, Dr. Doug Rowley, my dear friend in Virginia, he's just a premier therapist. He calls that splitting the universe. Is it this or is it this? Then when you get an answer, you say, is it this or is it this? And mm-hmm. typically you can boil down the problem where the problem is when a youngster has difficulty talking about it. You can really begin to eliminate things and get to what it is you're looking at just by, just by addressing it that way. Oh, yeah. You know, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Dr. James Sutton. Second time around can be better. Second timers try harder. Looking to have a rewarding second marriage? Any marriage? Read Successful Second Marriages by Patricia Bubash. She interviews a variety of couples that have succeeded in their second attempt. Each story reflects that the second marriages can be tough going, yet be the best of the best. Learn from these couples who share their intimate stories, how they struggled with difficulty, and have thrived. Stories such as, Our kids drove us apart. We separated five times in four years. Four months into our marriage, my 85-year-old father-in-law came to live with us. One year into our marriage, I was diagnosed legally blind. Death of my eldest child brought grief, depression into our new marriage. Successful Second Marriages is encouraging, hopeful, inspiring. Available on Amazon.com in book form and ebook. Read Pat's musings at www.successfulsecondmarriages.com. Are you a fitness professional, a trainer, or a coach? Would you like consistent and timely updates on your team's performance? We have a completely customizable app that can give you real-time information via the internet or your handheld phone. Track the performance of your client's progress with their physical fitness regimen. Track team members' performance or schedule a workout session. Meet up at the gym, on the bike trail, or wherever your physical activities take you. The app is called Socially Fit or SoFit and can be found on the iTunes Store. Look for the blue Socially Fit icon. When combined with data analysis capabilities, you not only feel the effects of your fitness routine, you also see the graphical progress of your results. The app makes the complex simple, so that more of your time is spent sculpting your physique with less time tracking your results with old-fashioned pen and paper. Download it today to begin a new year with data to show your progress in meeting your goals. Are you socially fit? I hope that all of you, if you are not socially fit, I hope that you will become socially fit this year. We're back with Dr. James Sutton. And Jim, would you share your website information and tell my listeners where they can get your book? Okay. Uh, the main website, which is kind of like a portal for the other websites that I have, is uh, docspeak.com. Just think of doc as in doctor and then speak as in talking to people. So docspeak.com. That's okay. easy enough, and that will uh, that will uh, show you. There's 47 articles on that site, and okay. there that you can connect to the uh, Change Your Behavior Network, uh, my radio program. You can access that. Folks can also access the uh, Change in Behavior Digest, which is a monthly publication that I put out regarding topics like we're talking about today. And um, let me see. There's a free offer that I can uh, give your folks, and that is okay. a a uh, downloadable little ebook called Resolving Conflicts with Your Children, okay. which is a 10-step process for getting that communication going. And I've had lots of good feedback from this process. It's basically kind of cookbookish, but I find folks say, what are the numbers? <laughs> Tell me what to do and what to do and what to do. And it's set up so parents can use it, teachers can use it, anyone who works with kids can use it. 
And all they have to do is email me, and on the homepage, there's a direct link right back to me to do that. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for sharing such wonderful information with my listeners. Now, Jim, what do we do about parents who feel that their mistakes are justified because they are the parent? What do you do with these kind of people? We just shoot them. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, seriously, that's difficult to deal with because sometimes mm-hmm. these are parents who can get to the point of being abusive and justifying that abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be very careful with that. Um, you know, as a parent, I realize and know that uh, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but fortunately I've never made any of them that... Uh, that I had to uh, deal with the rest of my life. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. My kids and grandkids turned out pretty good, and I believe yours did too. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the main thing is to realize and understand that uh, being a parent isn't a position you have to be perfect in every day, but you have to take responsibility and realize that, you know, sometimes sometimes the problem is something I'm creating, and if it is, then it's something I can deal with. And, you know, I find uh, that in dealing with anyone, kids, adults, friends, family, humor is such an amazing tool to use. And that's why I wrote my book, Thou Shalt Not Wine, the 11th Commandment. Humor just works wonders, doesn't it? Well, it does. It does. It does. It does. And, and January, you did ask about how folks can get this book, the Changing Behavior book, and it, it's mm-hmm. available through the uh, through book distributors and uh, bookstores and also Amazon.com. But if they want an autographed copy, they can get it through the website that I just mentioned. There are links there for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, sometimes when children get angry and upset with parents. Sometimes, you know, it's really more of a problem for the parents than the kids. It's very difficult for parents when your child is angry or they say that horrible sentence, I hate you. Exactly. The problem with that is, and and I think that was an issue for me and my oldest, my son, is Mm -hmm. that I really had a problem when he was angry at me. I did not like that. I can't think of a parent who would like their kids being angry at them, but listen, if you're raising adolescents, it's going to happen sooner or later, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's going to happen. And just to understand that if you set the rules and the limits and you say "This this is the way it's going to be and you stick with that, realizing that they're probably going to be upset because I think sometimes parents who cannot handle their son or daughter being upset and angry with them are going to give in to them and say, well, if you really want to that bad, I guess so. And then the youngster begins manipulating the parent in that situation. Mm, that's, that's a big, big problem. problem. Yeah. 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 That's so difficult. Now, what about uh, kids when uh, parents are traveling, fathers have to go away to work, uh, business trips, mothers, uh, unfortunately now most mothers have another, uh, have to work. So you have right. a, two-parent working family, how do you deal when they act out when the parent is away from home? What, what should well, a parent do to help them through that? Yeah, one of the examples of that, too, well, part of it comes back for the youngsters beginning to understand that mom and dad are going to be there when I get home or when I get off the bus or when I come back from school. Mm-hmm. And it's the age-old situation when you send the kid off to kindergarten. Sometimes they'll act out so that they can get sent home, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I have encountered situations that were severe in the case of where 
the child said, I can make you come home. I worked with oh. one young lady whose mother yeah. had died of pancreatic cancer, uh-huh. And her father was the only parent she had, and yet he was on the road all the time in his work. And she began failing in school, which brought him up to the school, which brought him home because he had to deal with her her, uh, her failure in school. And she mm-hmm. basically orchestrated that. I'm not sure if she was completely aware of everything she was doing, but it was, it was working out that she was getting him home more because she was having oh. trouble at school. Yeah, and that happens sometimes. She failed the ninth grade several times why a child would do that because they're probably desperately frightened that they're going to lose another parent. Exactly. And that's exactly what she said. You know, Jim, it's been so wonderful having you on the show today. And I look forward to having you come back many, many times in the future. My pleasure, January. To my wonderful listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this show today. Hasn't he been fascinating? My upcoming guests will all amaze, amuse, and astonish you. This is the show where you hear inspiring information that will help you to become successful, too. I would love to welcome you to our wonderful No Whining World. When you can, please sign on to my website, JanuaryJones.com, with your name and email, and you will get a free download. We love sharing our stories, our struggles, and our secrets for success. It's our hope we can encourage all of you to emulate our guests today and every day. Remember my mantra, if you think it, then you can do it. So for now, dear friends, please stop with the whining and then start smiling and then start sharing our show with everyone you know. And if that doesn't work, then have some wine, cheese, crackers and start eating chocolate. Lots and lots of chocolate. Again, thank you to my wonderful guest, Dr. James Sutton. This is January Jones thanking you for joining me today on my journey and reminding you to take care and stay safe as we close with music by Sorantos. Hi, Sorantos here with January. Check out my new smooth R&B song called Back and Forth. 33% of profits for this song are going to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Lately, I hear the melodies of sorrow as the story unfolds, as the darkness draws near, my heart starts feeling sorrow, and it cries out in fear. The night surrounds me, its emptiness divides. I hope you enjoyed my melody. Check out my other songs for free on my website at www.melogia.com. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity, plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.